Despite the tumultuous beginning of the season and the clouds in Dory's future, June in Edgartown was as bright as ever, and the three friends took advantage of every minute of it. There were walks down Main Street on sunny afternoons carrying giant, round mounds of mint chocolate chip ice cream, teetering three high and dribbling down onto sticky fingers before it was licked gone. There were steamed little neck clams with butter sauce and fresh horseradish, served with gin and tonics on the porch of the crew house overlooking the harbour. And there was the good-looking Italian waiter who worked there. It became Turner's mission to see how many times she could get him to use the word tanqueray in a sentence because she liked the way he said it. There were lazy hours lying on the beach by the lighthouse and meandering hunts for the perfect cockle shell, and double-dog dares to go skinny-dipping after dark that always descended into fully clothed refusals, recriminations, and false accusations of prudery, the truth, however, being that none of them was eager to expose great white bellies bursting with clams and tanqueray and mint chocolate chip ice cream. Turner had had great hopes for their summer together, but those hopes had been punctured and partly deflated by the nearness of death. Yet, in the days after Charlotte's attempted suicide and Dory's diagnosis, none of that seemed to matter. It was hidden for a little while behind blue skies and soft, warm breezes. The early evenings were spent in the kitchen performing mad experiments in haute cuisine, possible now that Rutler had been relieved of duty. When the smoke and smell finally banished them outdoors, they would stroll into town to get something to eat. Dory inhaled rare steaks and stout ales with the fervour of a Gloucester sailor. Turner sipped gin and nibbled salads. Charlotte seemed to subsist entirely on cakes and cosmopolitans, but she consumed them both in impressive quantities and seemed to be impervious to their effects. She remained a waif. In her ever-present ponytail, baggy shorts and sweatshirts, the preferred uniform of depressives and camp counsellors, she might have been mistaken for a teenager. Everywhere in town there was unceasing talk of bootleg shrimp. Who had it and where they got it and where the blue jeep had last been sighted. But it was nigh impossible to get in anywhere before it was all gone or the health department had sighted the bar or restaurant for serving it. Wherever they went for the evening, the three of them would sit and watch, trying to gauge the length of marriages, the numerical ranking of wives, the probability and proximity of divorces, and the mores, net worth, and sexual proclivities of each passerby among the local populace that had swollen to great proportions that year, as every year, with the arrival of summer. They walked all over the island and up and down its hedgerows, partly just to relax, partly also out of Dory's wish to remain unavailable for her mother's harangue about her cancer treatment, which had already been put off past the one week Dory originally bargained for. Neither Turner nor Charlotte said anything, at first. They knew Dory was struggling. The three of them were inseparable, 
except during those hours when Charlotte made her pilgrimage to the rectory for her counselling sessions with Father Vecchio. These grew more frequent and intensive with time, and by the end of the third week had become a nightly occurrence. Although there was no news of a decision for a funeral mass and burial for Meredith, Charlotte went faithfully each day after the church offices closed to complete the process of discernment that promised to lead Father Vecchio toward the mind of God on the matter. This gave her a hope to hang on to, and a purpose for her life, however tenuous, that helped her move on through the day-to-day business of living. She laughed now and then. The deadening pall that had blocked out everything else in her world for so long began to subside. Her sadness for the loss of her child was unaltered in depth or degree, but it was buffered now by the hope that some resolution of her crisis of faith and her despair for her child's soul was near.